Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Therapy Chat Podcast, Episode 105. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan, and today's episode is a little bit different. You have probably become familiar with me interviewing a lot of guests on my podcast, as most of the episodes for the past at least 40 episodes have been guest interviews. And there are a few reasons for that, but before I began focusing so much on guest interviews, I used to alternate solo episodes with guest episodes. And I'll get back to doing more solo episodes when I get through the backlog of guest interviews that I have. But in the meantime, I wanted to talk about something that comes up quite often in my practice. As you know, if you listen to Therapy Chat regularly, I'm a trauma therapist. And most people who come to see me may not necessarily identify as having childhood trauma when they first reach out. But once we start looking at their families of origin, there's often experiences which would fit under the category of what most would consider to be traumatic childhood experiences. And their way they feel pretty much connects to that childhood trauma, even though they may not have realized it when they first reached out. So a common situation that comes up in my practice is that I will be working with someone who has experienced childhood trauma and who meets the criteria for post-traumatic stress disorder because of those childhood traumatic experiences. And their partner, however, may not understand what they're going through. Oftentimes it's their partner who encouraged them to go to therapy because of how much their symptoms were impacting the relationship and the client's functioning. But the partner doesn't really understand why childhood trauma is an issue for the client. 
So once the client begins to understand the impact of their childhood trauma and want to work on it, they've got kind of a disconnect with their partner who just doesn't get it and doesn't really think it's that big of a deal. So this episode is on that subject, when your partner doesn't understand your trauma. I did a blog post about this earlier this year. And so I wrote this up as basically basically a description of what happens in those relationships when one partner has trauma and the other partner doesn't understand what that means or how it affects them. So I'm using examples that do not represent any particular person, but rather over my years of clinical practice and my experiences, the many types of situations I've heard about firsthand from clients, as well as things I've seen in my own life and in friends and family relationships as well. So I would never share information about a client on therapy chat. I want to be sure that everyone realizes that I would never share a client's personal information. So you may listen to this and think, wow, that sounds a lot like my situation. And I hope that helps you to understand that this is incredibly common. So I have a couple of examples here, and then I'll talk about what you can do. First, we're going to talk about Michael. Michael just can't understand it. He just doesn't get what's going on with his wife of over 25 years, Amy. Michael is concerned about her and wondering when she's going to get over the childhood physical and sexual abuse she went through years ago. He really just wants her to be okay. And honestly, he's sick of her trauma symptoms affecting her, him, and their children. He's not sure how much longer he can take it. He wants to know why can't she just get over it. To be fair, Michael doesn't realize that Amy's mood and behavior are related to her childhood trauma. He just knows that despite years of therapy with various therapists, she sometimes becomes deeply depressed and can't seem to get off the couch for days. Other times, he notices that the smallest thing will seem to trigger her becoming highly anxious, which can turn into controlling behavior towards himself and the kids. She will sometimes go shopping, overspending with abandon, even though they have agreed to stop running up credit card debt. Then she hides it from him and acts like she's afraid he will hurt her when he receives the credit card bill. Although he does get really frustrated when this happens, it bothers him that she feels afraid of him at times because he feels he would never harm her and he's never gotten physical with her in more than 25 years. He also suspects she may be binging and purging, but they don't talk about it. He's afraid to bring it up and he suspects she would deny it if he asked. Although Amy takes medication, her mood swings are still pretty unpredictable, and he's never really sure whether he's going to come home from work and find the smiling, got-it-together wife he married, or the disorganized, scattered, overwhelmed, and controlling woman she sometimes becomes, or the sad, crying woman he barely recognizes who just wants to sleep as much as possible. He doesn't know how to help her. All Michael knows is that Amy has changed. He knew when they got married that she had a quote-unquote difficult childhood. He also saw how resilient she was then. Despite being abused throughout her childhood, she had finished college and started a great career before they married. Although she spoke openly about having experienced that abuse, it didn't seem to have a negative impact on her then. Other than acknowledging that it happened, she didn't really talk about it. 
and he didn't really want to talk about it then or now because just the thought of what she went through, particularly the sexual abuse, horrifies him. He's not sure if the physical abuse was really all that bad or why it affects her so much. He wonders if she's really trying in therapy or whether she somehow is doing this all just to get attention. Michael isn't sure how to deal with the emotions that come up for him when Amy is not okay. It reminds him of how he felt responsible for taking care of his mother after his dad died when he was 10. He would often come home from school and his mom would be sitting in the dark on the sofa in her bathrobe. He found himself needing to be adult-like to take care of her, and he was kind of on his own to take care of himself and his younger brother, too. He was so relieved to get away from that unhappy childhood, to go to college and start his career, but sometimes he wonders if he married someone he will always have to take care of, too. The burden of handling Amy's emotional needs feels very heavy and familiar to Michael. He feels sad, hopeless, and discouraged. Amy, too, was overjoyed to leave her abusive family behind to marry Michael. She thought things would be so much better once she got away from her controlling, abusive father and her passive mother, who was mostly focused on pretending everything was perfect. And things were so much better. She loved her career, she and Michael got along great, and she was very happy to raise her three beautiful children. However, when her third child, little Megan, turned five years old, Amy started having flashbacks to the abuse that her father inflicted on her when she was a little girl. A part of her had always felt that she was somehow responsible for the sexual abuse and deserving of the beatings. But seeing her sweet, innocent little Megan, a bright, inquisitive kindergartner, she pictured herself as a little girl and wondered whether it was really true that an innocent child could ever be deserving of being harmed the way her father had harmed her. These thoughts were so sad and overwhelming, she tried to push them away. Sometimes she was successful, but other times, particularly in the spring, she was overwhelmed with fear and worry that something bad would happen to Megan or her two sons. Amy's bothered by nightmares, trouble sleeping, and physical symptoms like irritable bowel syndrome and a feeling that someone is watching her, which makes her skin crawl. Sometimes she suddenly vomits just out of the blue, and she never knows when a panic attack is coming. Much of the time, she feels like she's going through the motions of life. She feels disconnected from her neighbors and the other moms in her community. She describes herself as on the outside looking in to her life. Amy doesn't work outside the home now, and she's not sure if she ever will again. Most of the time, she feels like she's barely holding it together. She wishes Michael were more empathetic and supportive of what she's going through, but he doesn't seem to understand why she can't just put the past behind her. She feels alone and disconnected from him and wonders what happened to the happy newlyweds they once were. Amy is sad and worried about the way she feels, but she doesn't know what to do about it. The truth is, they're both struggling. This dynamic is all too common, and I hear stories from both sides of the relationship described in my office every day. Many of my clients are women like Amy, who feel deeply ashamed that they are still affected by the abuse from their childhood years. And others are men like Michael who wonder if they can handle the emotional burden of their partner's PTSD. You could switch the names and genders. Both Amy and Michael could be any one of us. Both women and men experience childhood abuse of all types. Emotional abuse, verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, and emotional and physical neglect. In this situation, both Amy and Michael feel alone and don't know how to reach the other partner. So listening to those examples, I wonder if you can relate to 
either partner, maybe both. Whether you can relate to Amy's feelings or Michael's, or if you're a therapist who works with clients who may be in this situation, it's helpful to understand a few things. First of all, you are not alone. Whether you're the person who experienced childhood trauma or the person who loves them, what you're feeling is common. Many people are affected by childhood trauma. It is so much more common than most of us realize. If you want to learn more about that, go back and listen to my episode on adverse childhood experiences. I talked about this in episode 19, the epidemic of childhood trauma. I'll put a link to episode 19 in the show notes for this episode to make it easier for you to go back and listen to that one if that would be helpful. Second thing to remember, trauma survivors aren't trying to be difficult. They are actually just trying to feel normal. In the scenario I just described, both Amy and Michael are affected by childhood trauma, though neither of them understands the effects in depth. Amy could be described as the identified patient. She's the one who is seen as having a problem and needing help. And she does need help. She's suffering so much. Amy's trauma is that she was physically and sexually abused by an adult, her father, whom she trusted to take care of her and keep her safe. Her mother was unable to protect her and pretended nothing was wrong. So both of her primary caregivers, whom she depended upon for safety and protection, let her down. She is affected by a loss of attachment as well as the effects of the abuse. But Amy's not the only one in this example who needs help. Michael also experienced childhood trauma. His father died when he was only 10, and in her grief, his mother was unable to attend to Michael's emotional needs. Instead, in order to be safe, Michael had to take care of his mom's emotional needs, and his own needs were ignored. He also had a younger brother to look out for. So Michael experienced a loss of attachment when neither of his parents was available to take care of his emotional needs as well as the trauma of his dad's sudden death. It's no wonder that Amy and Michael were drawn to each other because they both had unresolved pain they were trying to escape when they met. However, Michael's role as a caregiver in his family may have helped him feel comfortable marrying someone who he perceived as having gone through something terrible without realizing how he himself was affected by his own trauma. Both Amy and Michael were young when they met and they were both doing the best they could. They both wanted to be okay and they were trying to be okay together. For a while they were, but the effects of trauma always pop up just when you least expect them. In our early 20s, which is how old Amy and Michael were when they met, we often are not at a level of emotional development to be able to understand the impact of our childhood trauma, particularly if we're in the first part of our lives where we have escaped from that childhood home and we feel like that's not affecting us anymore. We got away from that. Neither Amy nor Michael is able to be a support for the other because they're both affected by their own childhood trauma. They can both benefit from counseling with a skilled trauma therapist. So the third thing that I want everyone to know is that trauma therapy can help. The reason Amy has been in and out of therapy for 10 years without experiencing relief from her trauma symptoms is that she hasn't had the right kind of therapy. Nine times out of 10, my clients with extensive trauma histories will tell me that their previous therapist never explained trauma to them or told them that their symptoms could be related to trauma. Why? The therapist probably didn't know. Trauma is still a newer field of study, although its effects have been documented for years. Understanding that your symptoms are caused by trauma helps take an overwhelming set of symptoms that are seemingly unrelated 
and offers hope and clarity. You begin to recognize that you developed these coping methods like dissociation, comfort eating, compulsive shopping, depression, anxiety, binging and purging because of the effects of trauma and not because there's something wrong with you. And one of the things that makes it difficult for people to recognize that they may have experienced childhood trauma is that they may feel that going to therapy means they have to blame their parents for the way they feel. And it's not about blaming anyone. It's about understanding why you feel the way you do. The other side of that, though, is that often we blame ourselves with beliefs such as, I'm just a really screwed up person. No one would understand how screwed up I am. If I could just get a a hold of myself and get myself under control, I could stop these feelings. Basically, it's not about that. It's understanding that something is affecting you that has changed the way you feel. And if you get trauma therapy, you can resolve that trauma and not feel this way anymore. So as you listen to this, I just want you to think about whether you can relate to the story of Amy and Michael. You might be wondering if you're an Amy or a Michael, and I can't answer that for you. But I'm going to tell you about some experiences that could potentially have been traumatic and some symptoms that may indicate that you might be affected by childhood trauma if you've had any of these experiences or some similar experiences. So if you've had some kind of disturbing experience in childhood that's always bothered you, for example, the loss of a primary caregiver, and that could be my dad was never in my life. It could be my mom died when I was two. It can be I always wished I could have met my biological mother. If you had any unwanted sexual experience, touching anything inappropriate that made you feel disgusting, any sexual experience you were too young to understand, early exposure to sexuality that you accidentally came upon when you were little and made you feel ashamed, witnessing violence, whether it happened to you, your caregiver, or another family member, feeling that no one understood you, no one cared about you, or that you were abandoned, unwanted, or unloved, being bullied, Receiving physical punishment, including spanking, beating, whipping, or being physically abused or harmed by an adult when you were a child. Having a parent or primary caregiver who abused alcohol or drugs. Those are just a small sampling of some of the types of experiences that could have been traumatic in childhood. And I think it kind of gets you, gives you the picture. And as I said, in episode 19, you can learn more about the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study, which explains a lot more about childhood trauma. So if you have some kind of childhood experience you think might have been traumatic, and you have some of these symptoms I'm about to describe, you may be affected by childhood trauma. So here are some symptoms that could relate to childhood trauma. Trouble falling asleep or staying asleep, nightmares, sleep paralysis. Feeling numb, detached, zoning out, trouble concentrating, easily distracted, losing time, memory issues, feeling forgetful, being disorganized, feeling a nagging sense that there's just something wrong with you, something that makes you different from everyone else, feeling like you're on the outside looking in, feeling like sometimes you're not in your body, like you're watching your life happening to someone else. 
Trouble feeling close with other people, trust issues, feeling suspicious of other people's motives, thoughts like no one can be trusted, and a feeling that it's you against the world, panic attacks, anxiety, need to maintain control at all times, rigidity, need for order, feeling mistrustful of your partner, feeling judgmental and critical of others and yourself, body image issues, physical symptoms like chronic pain, stomach issues, migraines, sexual problems, lack of interest in sex, shame related to sex, feeling constantly on high alert, watchful, vigilant, can't relax, you hate it when someone comes up behind you and touches your shoulder or stands too close to you, exaggerated startle reflex. These are some examples of how someone who experienced childhood trauma may feel. This is not a substitute for being diagnosed by a professional, but I hope this episode has helped you to consider whether the way you feel may be related to childhood trauma. If you are wondering if you're affected by childhood trauma, talk to a therapist. You can usually speak to them by phone before scheduling an appointment to make sure they feel qualified to help with the issue you're affected by. And I'm going to provide some resources in the show notes for finding a qualified trauma therapist and for further reading and learning. But I'll go ahead and list them now too. To find a trauma therapist, you can look on the National Child Traumatic Stress Network, the International Society for the Study of Trauma and Dissociation, or the International Society for Traumatic Stress Studies websites, ISSTD or ISTSS, the Sensory Motor Psychotherapy Institute website, EMDRIA, EMDRIA, E-M-D-R-I-A, that is an organization that supports EMDR therapy, SIDRAN Institute, and that's spelled S-I-D-R-A-N, the Somatic Experiencing Institute, RAIN, the Rape and Incest National Network, R-A-I-N-N. And some more suggestions for further reading and learning. I mentioned a couple times, Therapy Chat, Episode 19, and many episodes of Therapy Chat relate to trauma and childhood trauma. The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. That's a book. Bessel van der Kolk, B-E-S-S-E-L-V-A-N. D-E-R-K-O-L-K. In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts, book by Gabor Mate, G-A-B-O-R-M-A-T-E. Gabor Mate was my guest on episode 72, and he talks about the effects of traumatic stress on the developing brain in that episode. There's an ACEs Primer video that I'll link to in the show notes that gives you some information about the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study. Finding a therapist who understands the effects of trauma on child development and has specialized training in trauma recovery can make a huge difference. I hope this episode has been helpful for you in getting more clear on how we can be affected by childhood trauma, whether it affects us or our partner and or someone else we love, and some of the ways to recognize the symptoms, how to get more information, and how to find a trauma therapist. I'd love to hear your feedback as always. 
You can go to my website, therapychatpodcast.com and send me a message if you like by clicking on the green button that says send a message to therapy chat. I'd love to hear what you think. Thanks. Take care. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com.